Hey, everybody, and welcome to Beefmaster Banner. We are your host, Josh Morrison and Jared Strickland. How's it going, Jared? That's going good. Finally picked up a little bit of rain, so uh, grass is at least looking alive. Yeah, good, good. Hopefully, it'll continue that way. We've got uh, two two guests, very special guests this evening, instead of just one, uh, Steve and Cindy Emmons of Emmons Ranch Beefmasters. How y'all doing? We're great. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to do so. Um, well, just to go ahead and get started, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and the history of, of being in the cattle business and the beef masters there, Steve and Cindy. Well, uh, I've been in the commercial cattle deal all my life. My daddy had commercial cows, and so I grew up with commercial cows, and uh, then we we, me and Cindy got, was real interested in the Beefmaster cattle. I'd been looking at them in books and reading about them uh, while I was in high school. And we went to South Texas, I believe it was in 72, it could have been already 73, and bought some bulls and brought back up here and put on commercial F1 tiger stripe cows and really did like the calves off those bulls and the disposition those calves had. And so we decided we wanted to go into purebred cattle business because we didn't feel like we'd ever have enough land and and uh, to run enough commercial cattle to make a living because you have to do that by numbers and it takes a lot of numbers today. So uh, we started our Beefmaster herd while we were in school at AM. I grew up on a ranch my entire life. My father and grandfather both were ranchers and farmers. Uh, it was in my blood. I didn't know anything different. Um, my daddy had a few registered Hereford cows, uh, but the majority of his cattle were just commercial cattle. Uh, then he, he was the first person in our county to bring Brahmin bulls in to cross on the Hereford and commercial cattle and make F1s. Uh, we found out real quick, the dispositions on the F1s were not very pure. So um, after we added the Beefmaster bulls into the mix, the disposition totally changed. And uh, that was definitely a blessing for us. We, Steve and I would have to like psych ourselves up when we went to pin those commercial cattle, um, borrow dogs and uh, it was really a big ordeal just trying to pin your cattle. Um, and today that would really be difficult to do since we're not 20 again. But um, the Beefmaster breed of cattle has totally changed uh, the ranching operation from when I was a child. So it's been a blessing. Sounds like it. So, so when, you, when you both started, um, you've been married how long? 47 years this month. 47 years and pretty much that long in the Beefmaster business then? Yes. A so, little, little bit longer little in the Beefmaster business. Okay. All right. So we bought, we bought our first ones about two months before we got married. Pretty sure we were going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> but she's really sure you're going to have Beefmasters. <laughs> yeah, we are. We knew that. One, sure. <laughs> so when you first started, I, I think I've heard you say before you started out with just maybe four or five head, um, and, and went into that. Will you go into a little bit of that? 
Yeah, we, we started in July of 75. We purchased five registered females uh, to get started. And we were still an A&M and we graduated in 76. And by 1979, we had grown our herd to 80 registered beef master cows. And I knew that the purpose of a purebred breeder was to produce bulls to upgrade the commercial cow herd. So out of these 80 cows, say we had 70 calves, 35 bulls and 35 heifers, we'll allow those 35 bulls, I might keep two that I thought was good enough to make a bull. So I knew that was a bad situation because bulls were half your income uh, in a purebred operation. So I had to figure out how to produce bulls and good bulls. And so we started AI in 1976. And then when uh, in 1980, the new deal came along of embryo transfer. And we felt like that uh, that may be something we need to look at doing because most of your purebred ranches, whatever breed they are, they're known for the bulls they produce and, uh, and sell. So that was what we were gonna concentrate on. And we had this one, uh, old Homer Herring cow, she was 13 years old. And every year her calf was either number one or number two in our herd. And whenever she had a bull calf, it was a good one. So out of whatever beef master bull she was bred to, it didn't matter. So that's the cow that we decided we'd try this new unknown adventure of embryo transfer. And because, you know, it was all unknown in 1980. They were doing it down here at Granada Land and Cattle, which wasn't about 70 miles from us. And so we took that old cow down there and flushed her and uh, kept all her daughters and started producing them, looking for the daughters that produce those good bulls. And we'll, when we would find those daughters, we'd start flushing them and do the same thing, look for their daughters that would have good bulls and then start flushing them and try to build consistency in each generation. And, uh, We've all heard going to Beefmaster sales and stuff. Uh, everybody tells about their cattle because they like it. And I, I've always heard them say, man, you know, I looked out there today and old Sally had a calf and I took off out there to see Sally's calf. And when I got there, it was old bull, you know? Well, that, you know, I didn't want to be in that situation. When I saw Sally had a calf out there, I want to, I'm excited to see if she had the next Houston champion bull, not some bull I got to carry at the auction barn or castrate. So I knew that was what we had to do was concentrate on producing bulls. And, and that's what we've done. And, and, you know, we're all about cow power and cow families. You got to have those, those cows. That's what produces those bulls. And uh, then you have your cow families that you can, you know, breed around and breed, you know, into each each deal. You, because a donor cow for us, she has to produce bull. I mean, if she can't produce her bull, she ain't gonna get flushed. And you know, we've been doing this so long now that, um, you know, I don't I don't even think about it anymore. I mean, every, whatever lays down has a calf, whether it's bull or heifer, this bull is gonna be good. And uh, so we've just bred that in the cattle and. And uh, that's in my, for us, we, that's what we have to have because we got to sell bulls, 
you can't just call all your bulls and put all the expense against your females. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that doesn't work for us. Well, you'll never make it. Like you said, half of your calf crop normally is, you know, is bulls. Yeah. And yeah. You, why, why not, why not go ahead and start breeding, you know, for the consistency, like you're, like you're talking about and, and be excited when you go out there, if it's a bull or a heifer, be excited right. then, then just to see what it is. Well, when, when the embryo transfer got going and we started having, you know, multiple people in our breed uh, start using it, well, all, all you would hear about them, I said, man, you ought to see the flush of heifers I got. Man, my cow's just doing super. And, and I'd ask them, I said, what about your bull calves? Oh, well, most of them had too much sheath. I had to carry them to the barn. And I'm thinking, well, buddy, those heifer calves that you kept, can't produce bulls neither if the mama can't mm-hmm. so why are you gonna keep those heifers you tell me so good when they're gonna have those same kind of bulls you're gonna have to call anyway so we you know we just went at it because we knew we had to produce bulls and consistent con- bulls that will breed consistently when they go out there in the pastures well and like what you said consistency is key i mean it's that's probably in my opinion, one of the number one things you, you've got to have to be um, profitable and to make it in the seed stock industry is you've got to have consistency. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of bulls, um, are, are there any bulls that you're running right now uh, that maybe stand out above some of the others? And if so, you want to talk about them? Well, I, I guess I'm kind of the bull lady. Um, bulls are... very special to me. Um, I kind of get, I I unite with the bulls. Yeah. Um, They're easier to get along with than females. I know y'all love hearing hearing me say that. (laughs) (laughs) They're not near as moody (laughs) as females are. More consistent, especially like my husband. He's so non-moody and so consistent. (laughs) Um, But bet on Bubba is um, just a bull like no other. He's, he's the most amazing bull I've ever seen. Uh, and we've been breeding the cattle for 47 years. And, and Bubba is, he's no Photoshop. He's no smoke screen. He's no glitter. He's no sales pitch. And he's no stretching the truth. He he is what he is. He, he's built from the ground up. Uh, he stands on a massive set of feet that are made correctly. And the bone that he has is just truly in, incredible. His skeleton is loose and he's clean jointed. Uh, he has an amazing amount of cushion uh, for a bull. And, and when he reaches forward, he sets his foot right back down in his track. Um, he, he, he's just amazing. So he, he's very special to me. Uh, he has produced champions in all arenas. He's not just a champion himself, but, but he's produced all sorts of champions. Um, He's dominant in commercial herds across the U.S. and in lots of foreign countries. His first calves have been born in Australia. 
Um, he's not only dominant in the Beefmaster show world, but in all the American influenced uh, steers and heifers also. Uh, we've sold several big time Bubba sons to Thailand. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny, foreign, foreign people will text or email and they ask for Bubba by name. I mean, they, they don't just want a bull, they want semen out of Bubba or they want calves out of Bubba. Um, so he's, he's special all the way around. Um, I like it. King George is another bull of ours that's um, really special to us. He's, he's perfect in terms of his skeleton. He's homozygous black, he's pole stirred, and he produces quite a few pole cattle. Uh, he's, he's toward the top of the breed with a 19.16 ribeye and a ribeye per hundred weight of 1.62. Um, he's as long as a freight train. He, he has a massive middle and top and, and his muscle is just very dominant. We, we cross George on Bubba daughters and headliner daughters. His calves, they're square hip, they're big top, they're sweet fronted, and they're pretty. I mean, you know, I, I'm a woman. I want my cattle to be pretty. I don't want to have to put a sack over their heads because <laughs> they're so ugly. I want them to look like females, like they're walking down the runway. And, and that's what I like. Um, we, we've been very blessed with, with our bulls. Um, we've produced eight national champion bulls and two reserve national champion bulls and uh, the only national performance champion bull, and that was Headliner. We just got through with our JBBA nationals, and this, this was a huge show, the biggest one we've ever had, and there were 194 entries at junior nationals out of Emmons sired bulls. Wow. So wow. That's, that's it impressive. Was, it, it, it was, it, it really makes you humble and um, feel how blessed you are that people have accepted your genetics and, um, and are using them so, so much. Well, and it really show, goes to show what you both have done over the last 40, 40 plus years uh, coming, you know, talking about the consistencies. I mean, I, if you don't have to look far to see an EMS um, name somewhere on a pedigree anymore at all. And that's a, that just goes to show what you both have been doing and working towards so many years is, is obviously working. Well, thank you. We, we try really hard. We, we put our heart and soul in it. We, as I've said before, we live it every day. Uh, it, um, it definitely shows. We, uh, like we talked to Jerry Thomas. We, we might, 
like to not live it quite so much. In <laughs> like we talked to Jerry Thomas um, in the last episode, you know, he, he made a mention you have the highest highs and the lowest lows in this, in this business. And it's the ones that can handle that and can handle that stress load that come out on the other end of it and, and do very well. And, and it's just, it's fun to see, you know, what 40, 40 plus years of work does. Well, Jerry summed it up pretty honestly, <laughs> the highest highs and the lowest lows. <laughs> he That's did. Very accurate statement. He did. It was, uh, that was, that was probably one of the most accurate statements I've heard in a long time. Are there any uh, females y'all like to discuss? Uh, I know y'all have got several uh, in, uh, y'all highlighting your sales coming up. So I was just curious so what y'all think about those. Yes, we, um, we have our young set of donors that we're really excited about. We, we're kind of moving forward and, and moving away from some of our older uh, cattle and going into their daughters. And um, as Steve has talked earlier, uh, a main criteria to be a donor at Emmons Ranch is you have to be able to produce bulls. So if you can't produce a bull, uh, you won't be a donor here. So um, our bonfires, Barbie cow, we lost her this past year. And uh, that was a big blow because she was really uh, an amazing donor cow. She's the mother to several of these um, big time bulls that we've sent to Thailand and lots of places were out of her and Bubba. Uh, we have a few embryos left out of her, but other than that, um, she's, she's about done or do here. Um, but we have her influence. Uh, Pistol Annie is, is another donor that, that's really special here and, and we'll have some calves in our sale out of her. Um, two of our youngest donors are one named Dreaming About Fire. And um, she has produced several really amazing young herd sires. Uh, We've got one that we're showing now that we're really excited about out of that cow and Bubba. Um, then, we're breeding her. yes, the first calf. Yes, we're breeding her first calf. Right now. Right now. And then a cow called Queen of Dreams. Um, She's, she's pretty amazing. We're excited about her. She's King George daughter. King George out of our Catching the Dream cow. Um, so that, that's a few of our young donors we're excited about. and Can't wait to get father in on, on them. And, you know, these cows they have to look like runway models. I mean, that's, that's the phenotype that, that we expect from them. Um, they've got to have the big tops, the, the lot of muscle, the 
the clean, pretty fronts. Um, that, that, that's just requirements. And the, these donors seem to be answering the bill. So we're, we're excited about them. I heard one time that, uh, that cows that look like females will make bulls that look like bulls. Yes, and that is the truth. I didn't put a lot of thought into that until honestly, until just right now, you, you were both talking about how you like your females and there's a lot of truth in that. There is so much truth in that. And Steve has told me that for years and we'll be somewhere and you'll have one of these big time judges say, Oh, that sharp fronted bully fronted big old heavy cow over there. Just think of the herd bull she's going to make. And I'm going, well, I don't think at my house it works that way. We <laughs> <laughs> got to have those beautiful fronted feminine cattle. That's who makes those great herd sires. I agree with you. For us, let's let's put it that way. Sure, sure. Well, it's obviously working. Um, like we've talked about with the bulls and and you know what you what you're doing. Um, but no, it was funny it, that popped in my head as as you were talking about the females, and I wanted to bring that up because it does. I mean. It, it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people may, like you said, may look at it differently, you know, but, but what you, what, what, what you're seeing is proof of that on your, on your ranch. On our ranch, you've got to have those gorgeous females that, you know, when you see her off at a distance, just her silhouette, she looks like a female. I mean, you can just tell the outline of her, her body shape, um, all parts of her you know it's not a bull out there absolutely and to us that's what works absolutely so so kind of gets us that actually kind of leads us into our next uh question in in when you're talking about looks and and things phenotype and um you know everything that makes a cow and a bull what they are you you are all in the i call just pasture cows and show uh, in the show ring. So in your opinion, what, what is the difference in making a show heifer or bull slash just one that somebody's going to put in the pasture? Well, in my opinion, there's not supposed to be a difference here. The only difference between one walking out there in the pasture and one walking in the show ring, haircut and bubble bath. I mean, they're supposed to be the same animal. I mean, when you, when you go to these shows, I don't know what, I guess a lot of our breeders just won't go to these shows, but but we put our cattle in front of these industry-leading cow guys out there to critique our cattle. And so when they walk in that show ring, I mean, they got to be built from the ground up. They got to have the good feet, the good legs. Uh, they got to have the structure, you know, smooth flowing, clean jointed, uh, neck coming high out of that shoulder. Uh, straight tops, expressive spring of rib. They got to be the real deal. You know, they ain't no, I think some of our breeders think there's some kind of ho hokey pokey with a shit because you show cattle. They need to, they need to get out of the sandbox and go bring some of their cows to town and compete. See how those guys critique their cattle. I mean, you're, we're supposed to produce the cattle that go out and produce the calves that's going to have those yield grade ones and twos that make the cow guys money. That's what we're supposed to be producing. So you got to produce those kind of females 
to produce those kind of bulls. And uh, so they just have a misnomer about because you show cattle as something different. I mean, most all our donors are past uh, show females. And I mean, they're right out there in the pasture and race, you know, big calves and do the whole nine yards. I mean, cattle, cattle with muscle are just, they're more feed efficient. They're easy to keep. That muscle doesn't go away. That fat goes away. And as far as a breed, our, the Beefmaster breed has been known as a light muscle, low yielding, trashy breed of cattle. We're a lot better than we were, you know, 20 years ago when we were that way, but we still have a lot of low yielding cattle and uh, cattle's got a little too much hide on them and because all that's stowaway. And so we have a bad rap uh, in the breed and uh, it's, you know, some of the younger generation maybe don't see it, but the older guys, especially here in Texas where the breed was originated, I mean, we have a bad name. I mean, if we could, we can't even imagine the number of bulls that's turned out in the state of Texas more than there is anywhere else. And we don't even have half a percent of the bull market in the, in the state where we, the cattle were entered, you know, made because we have such a bad reputation of long sheet, uh, light muscle, low yielding. Well, I mean, we've come a long way from that. We don't have sheaf problem in the beef master breed today. Uh, but a lot of the older cow guys, you know, that's all they remember is the prolapse and the bad udders, uh, you know, all the things. And so as a breed, you know, our, our breeders, our members, they need to get on the page and, and just try to produce as good as they can produce. And that's better for everybody. We want the industry talking beef masters, but, um, so, I mean, that's what we want. And, and that's the kind of cattle we need to, to, to produce. And like I say, as far as the show deal, uh, like I say, these, these guys need to bring their cows. If they got all these great cows and great beef masters they talk about, let's show up with them. Let them guys critique them. You know, put them right out there with all the rest of us. I mean, back when we used to have uh, those big fraternities out there in the southeast uh, and have those judges come in and judge those cattle. I mean, you know, they weren't no halter, but, uh, you know, those same type of cattle, that's what went, went all that stuff. I mean, you got to have them with muscle. You got to have just what we talk about, what the industry wants. So our breeders are just missing the whole boat and uh, on, on deals like that. But that's, like I say, in my opinion, there's no difference between the cow being in the pasture and the show rings up higher cut the bubble bath. They're supposed to be the same animal. I love that comment. I like that you brought up the, you know, the muscle and the fat difference and things like that. I mean, I've talked to folks and they're always talking about, well, show heifer's been fed up and, and all this deal. But part of the show is if you got them over conditioned, you're going to the bottom of the pack anyway. Yes, and 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 people need to understand that that if you're feeding your show animals up, you know you're you're not overfeeding them to get them too fat, you know. And and like you said, the muscle is what helps you win the deal, and that's right. part of it. And and like you said, in the real world environment, and I've had that on 
our own experience with that real world muscle lasts so much better in the pasture than fat or just a narrow animal in, in particular but i like that you said that and i think that's a that's some good advice to folks that may have not ever heard that before right because the bull deal these people that i've always talked about going to bull sales and, and buying those pampered bulls and bringing them home and putting them out there and they lose 300 pounds that's because they didn't have any muscle they just been fed and put a lot of fat on and, and those bulls with muscle will go out there and work and yeah, you know, they'll lose some of the shine they had if they come out of a you know a program or something but they ain't gonna lose that muscle yeah and i and and i agree with that and the thing about it is is you can see that with your eyes which one has the muscle and which one's just fat so yeah, when you're right. selecting bulls that's something to be remembered that's for sure. And something else about talking about the show ring. Every time we walk a bull into the show ring, we are, we're taking a risk because every judge is going to call those bulls out. If they don't have good feet and legs, you know, you're at the bottom of the class. Uh, if, if you don't have muscle, if you don't have bone, if you don't have a good top, if your structure is not up to par, you're kicked down to the bottom. I mean, so we are risking uh, the reputation of our bulls every time we walk them in the ring, you know? Um, so it's, it's really um, a gamble taking them into the show ring and asking someone else's opinion. You're, the big time livestock judge that judges all over the country. Okay, sir, what is your opinion of my bull today? Well, he'll tell you real quick and you might not like what you hear. So it's, it's a big risk taking those herd sires in that ring. Well, and what you said too was, you know, you're, you're taking a, a gamble or a risk on your reputation. Yes, so you're not you going to put anything in there. That's not got the bone, not got the muscle, not got, you know, not got that feminine or, or bull look to them. I mean, you, you can't, you can't afford to. No, you can't afford to. You're exactly right. Um, that's, how you, that's how you get better. The only way you get better, you can't stay at home and breed cattle and get better. If you don't go and, and compare your cattle to other cattle, there's no way you can get better. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. You get barn blind pretty quick. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, bef before we move to our next thing, I just have to know who names, who comes up with the names? Because they're really good. <laughs> Those are some of the most creative, most consistently creative names, and they're good names. Well, I love I love seeing the names. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm drawing a blank now. I kind of figured it was Miss Cindy, Steve, but I, I wanted to give you a shot just to be sure, you know. Now, he's come up with a few good ones. <laughs> now, now, we're talking about names. That kind of goes to to your, to your y'all's sales. Um, tell us a little bit about, I believe y'all have two sales a year. Is that correct? Yes, we have a bull sale. The fourth Saturday of March in Grosbeck, Texas, and we'll sell about 50 to 60 bulls. Uh, we'll have a lot of herd bull for the 
purebred guys and then just the outstanding set of bulls for the commercial guy. And, and the biggest part of our bull buyers are the commercial guys. And uh, we had the bull sale six years. Six years. We had six bull sales. And we, I know th we've got three sets of buyers that's bought at every, every one of them. Because that tells me how good the bulls are going out and working because of the repeat buyers, you know, that come every year. You just, and that's what we, we develop those bulls on silage uh, and we do it for a long time to where those bulls will be hard and they won't be, you know, so fat. They'll look good, but they'll be really hard because most of our bulls will be on cows before dark that day. The bull, the people that come within 150 mile radius, they're loading those bulls and they're going straight to the pasture. And those bulls are going to be turned out that day and they expect us to start breeding cows because they've sold their bull and they're ready for a new one. And they got the cows sitting there ready and they ain't going to wait around. So, you know, if you, if you feed those bulls a lot of corn and stuff like that and get them extra fat, well, all that's going to go away anyway, as soon as they turn them out. So that's, that's what we're doing our bull sale. And then we have our female sale the third Saturday in August uh, in Bryan, Texas, in which we'll sell about 50 lots. And normally we've been selling maybe one bull. This year we're going to sell three outstanding bulls. We're going to sell the one proven bull, the Elvis bull. And then we're going to sell the Bubba Maid bull, who was the champion bull at Houston and Dallas and Shreveport and several. Um, and maybe I think there's one female in there bred to him. And uh, we'll sell Elvis with 250 straws of semen and Bubba made with 150 straws. And then we've sold a young black bull called Bet on Rip, another Bubba son. And it's going to be a really good herd bull. And then we got several proven donors in the sale, a lot of, you know, young donor prospects and We'll have ribeye steaks on Friday night, and uh, then we'll have a big JBBA heifer show after the show, after the sale on Saturday. Uh, so that's, we'll have pears, three and ones, and breads. We won't, we won't have very many open heifers. We, we normally just have breads and pears and a few, few open heifers. It's a weekend full. Yes, sir. It's a big weekend full. For sure. Yeah, I guess it'll be on DB auction as well. It'll be on DB auction as well. Yes, sir. And is your, your catalog's out now, I assume, right? Yes, it's out. Um, okay. It's on the BBE website. Um, it's on our website. So it's it's up and going. Good. Hopefully everybody, which when, when this uh, episode post will be uh, probably two and a half weeks out from it so that'll give everybody that that maybe didn't know they know where to go find them and and look at some look at some good prospects and some good donors and a couple good bulls and if they need a catalog mail to them give us a call we'll get it in the mail perfect sounds good well i guess uh wrapping it up we always uh kind of ask a few questions at the end about some advice but it sounds like this episode's already full of advice. Uh, <laughs> as, uh, as 
you've already kind of stated stated your goals and everything like that but i guess kind of maybe wrapping up the the last two together what can we do as beef master breeders make a better end product and you've already harped on that some already and then i guess combining that together what's your advice to a new breeder as well well um you know to the consistency is what we need to do as a breed is just make our cattle more consistent to where we can get the industry to talk about our cattle. We, we need to be mentioned, you know, in the breeds whenever these county agents have these meetings. And because even here in Texas, um, when you go to an extension service meeting or something and they, they're talking about bulls, well, Maybe now we might get a beef master mentioned, maybe, but normally, you know, it's Angus and Brangus and Charlotte and Hartford. Um, so we, we've got to get, you know, we've got to produce the cattle good enough to get in there. And we do, we, we have that kind of cattle, but the industry just doesn't recognize it yet. And we just got to, as breeders, we got to pull together and try to breed the kind of cattle that, um, they won't and you know as a breeder you need to you need to be talking to the people in your area the commercial guys and find out what kind of bull they'll buy you you don't need to be producing something they don't want or they ain't gonna buy it and and if you're purebred cattle if you're registered beef master cattle don't look better and raise better calves than your neighbor's commercial cows it's gonna be hard to sell him bull why does he want one of them? You know, he, he drives down the road every day and sees them great registered purebred beef masters he hears about. And he says, well, I see them out there, but they don't look any better than my cows right down the road here. And their calves don't look any better than my calves. So why do I want to buy a bull from them? You know, you, you got to try to produce. You're at a, as a purebred seed stock producer, you're at a different, you need to be at a different level than the commercial guy. All you need to worry about at the auction barn and calf prices is to know what those guys will pay for a bull. I mean, if you're worried about what the calves bring at the auction barn, because you got to carry half your registered calves to the barn because they're no good, you're in the wrong business. You need to get rid of some cows. You know, you don't need to keep those same registered cows and carry those same cash to the auction barn every year. That's not what you're in the purebred business for. And I think we have a certain amount of our breeder members that they worried about what the sale barn price is because they got to carry half their calves because they're not very good. Well, they need to take their mamas with them, you know, and get some different mamas that, that raise good calves. But, and, and the, other piece of advice I'd give them is like we talked about before, they, they need to go places. They don't need to stay at home. You can't get better sitting at the house. You got to go and, and learn and see other breeders and see other cattle and compare your cattle. We, we've got breeders in these little groups around the country and I don't think they go anywhere. You know, they don't, they can't compare their cattle to nothing. They listen to old Joe Blow down the road that don't go anywhere either. Well, you know, if you want to be successful, uh, you've got to, you've got to try. You've got to want to be successful. And and I judge I judge a good many uh, of these sales around these graded sales we have in Texas. You know, where we'll have two or three or four or five judges, and 
and I've judged some of these sales a long time. And I see breeders that's been in this beef master business 20 years and they're not a bit better today than they were 20 years ago. And they still gripe and bellyache because they finished at the bottom in these graded sales. Well, you're not doing nothing to try to get better. You're breeding the same thing and, and not trying to improve. And so I, I tell them, you know, I, I tell the breeders, you need to go and you need to see, see what's going on and see what kind of cattle you need to produce. But, but mainly you need to find out from those cowmen in your area. I mean, if you're in an area where they want, uh, I would say they want black beef master bulls, but you're gonna produce red ones and try to sell them to them guys who want black ones. And that, that ain't gonna, they ain't gonna buy them. Or, or, you know, vice versa. If you're in an area where they want all red bulls and you're producing all black ones, they're not gonna buy them. So if you wanna make money in the purebred business, you gotta, you gotta uh, make your product uh, buyer friendly or whatever that word is. If you're in the car business and they all wanna buy a black car, but you're gonna have all red ones on your lot. And then you're mad because you can't sell them. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that doesn't make sense. So you gotta, you gotta find out what the industry demands. And, and, and you gotta know, our, our members need to know what a good one is when they see it. And I think a lot of them don't know what a good one is because a good one is easy to sell. Everybody wants one of them. And so right. you, you have to understand what a good one is and then try to make it. And, and, and it's not about having 30 or 50 or hundred registered cows. It's about having them good ones. It's a lot easier to make money and sell. If you got 10 really good ones than 50, just average ones. I mean, Absolutely. And good ones don't eat any more than, you know, a good one doesn't eat any more than an average one. And, and AI, AI is a super tool in our breed, but, and a lot of, we have a lot of breeders that try to use it, but most of them try to use it on a cow that can't produce a good calf to begin with. So AI doesn't help. You know, they said, well, she doesn't do very good. She don't produce a good calf. We're going to buy semen out of this high-powered bull and put in her and we're going to help everything now. She can't, if she can't raise a good calf out of just a good bull, she ain't going to raise a good calf out of a better bull. So that's right. And well, and you know, it don't cost it. Well, let me, let me make sure I get this right. It doesn't cost any more to raise a good one than it does a bad one. Right. <laughs> or, an, or an average one. At the, at the end of the day, it may cost you less. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> to raise a good one well, uh, well you, you you've been around enough of these beef master sales or any other breed sales and people talk with you see somebody pay thirty thousand dollars for a donor female or something like that people say well you know that's crazy well you you find out how many breeders want to buy a heifer out of that thirty thousand dollar cap they didn't pay 34 somebody else had to do that but then when the guy that bought her says, well, do you want to buy heifers out of her? Oh, sure. I'll give you five, six, seven thousand dollars for a heifer out of her. So we're going to go flush her. And so how many heifers is it going to take to pay for? Not many. <laughs> but then people don't understand that. I mean, I'd rather have one really good one than 10 just average ones. Because I can sell them good ones. 
Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Um, but we are completely out of time. I, well, I'm, I'm sorry though. No, I love no, it. it. I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I, I love hearing, uh, this has been a great conversation and, um, well, I can well, get a little round up with the big <laughs> That's good though. Cause that means you're passionate about it. And, well, and, I, and yeah. I want everybody else to be passionate about it. That, well, that makes better for all of us. And it goes back to what we keep saying in, in our podcast episodes. People are willing to help you. You just have to go see them. Go yeah. see them, call them, email them, talk to them, go to their sales. They will talk to you and they will help you. <laughs> exactly right. Because they want, want everybody to want Beastmasters. And that makes it easy for you to sell yours and me to sell mine and everybody to, you know, do good. That's right. Absolutely. All over the United States. Um, yeah. Our competition is not each other. It's these other breeds. That's it. That we're trying to that we're trying to get some of their market share. And we can't lose sight of that, that we, you know, like you said, we're not in competition with each other. We, we all, we all have to remember that, you know, it, sure. It's okay to compete. Just like when you, when y'all go show, it's okay to compete, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. Right. And work yeah. towards the same goal, but right. work towards the same goal. But again, I, I really appreciate y'all coming on, taking time out of your day to do so. Uh, it means a lot to Jared and I to uh, have people willing to come on the podcast and talk. Um, it's exactly, this is doing exactly what we hoped it would do from the beginning. Um, and you all being um, good enough and willing enough to come on and talk to us, it, it really means a lot. So we do appreciate it. Yeah, it definitely does. There's there's a lot in this little podcast that, that people are going to be able to take away from it and, and take it home and, and use it. I, uh, I guess to kind of round it up, we need to probably cover the sales for the rest of the month. Uh, but uh, on August the 20th, obviously, uh, the Image Ranch sale will uh, be in Bryan, Texas. August the 27th, we're going to have the SEBA convention sale in Lexington, Tennessee. And also on August the 27th, they got the real grind. Rio Grande Valley Marketing Group sale, which is in Rio Grande, Texas. So that's Perfect. all the all the sales for August. Well, that'll be good. A couple sales to for people to hit, and and hopefully, um, hopefully, wish you all luck um, and and doing well with your sale coming up. Um, and if you haven't got any rain, I really hope y'all do. Um, we haven't gotten any, but we'll get one some one day. Hopefully, uh, I you you. The odds are, are in your favor at this point. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, it's been a lot of fun for me to do this. Yeah, well, well, we, we'll say we, we really appreciate it, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. And if you enjoyed it that much, we will have you on at some other point again, and we'll do this all over again. Yeah, I, I enjoy talking about big master cattle and, and uh, anything like that. And anytime I can help anybody, especially new breeders, Try not to go through so many of the trial and error methods that's so costly. Well, that's good. Um, that's that's really good. But again, thank y'all very much. Um, I do look forward to, to doing this again with y'all um, a little further in the future. But y'all have a great night, um, and we'll see y'all in the next episode. All right. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Beefmaster Banner podcast. Uh, please know that we are on 
Apple Podcast, Spotify, and we are on YouTube. Just search Beefmaster Banner. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.